morning, ZPC again, or should I say, bom dia? I, I know, isn't that totally lame? What does that mean? Good morning in Portuguese. Well done. I was in Brazil for so long, I almost forgot how to speak English for a little while there, but just kidding. Um, but I have been in Brazil, and it was a great time. We were there for a week, and uh, uh, Megan uh, thought I was there for a month. That's what it felt like to her, but it was only one week, uh, but it was a great time, and I am thankful to Scott for being here last week, and then the weekend before that, of course, we were many of us were at the all-church retreat, and uh, one of our elders, Andrew Perrin, preached, and, uh, and so thank you to Andrew for doing that, and um, so it's been a couple weeks since I've been up here, and we're starting a new series, and uh, of course, this is kind of a kickoff Sunday for home groups and promotion Sunday for our children. Uh, and so uh, the Lord blessed us with beautiful weather for this weekend, for all of these exciting things. And uh, But you all have made it here. You have rode here or you have done whatever you had to do to get here. And for that, we are blessed. And it is good to be here with you this morning. Uh, before I kind of dive into today's sermon, I wanted to uh, remind you all that we have an inquirers class coming up. So if you have been thinking about joining or wanting to know more about what it means to become a member here at ZPC, I invite you uh, to sign up. You can do that online. And uh, it's going to be this next weekend on Friday at our house, at the Deck House from 7 to 9. And then it'll be here at the church from 9 to noon on Saturday. And so um, I encourage you uh, to, to, to come and be a part of that. If nothing else, it's a free meal uh, on Friday. Friday night. It's a free continental breakfast on Saturday morning. What more could you want? Um, and uh, it'll be a great opportunity just to get to know us, let us get to know you and to know ZPC uh, a little bit better. So I encourage you to do that. And this, uh, this is kind of the beginning uh, of our series on being shaped like Jesus. And so we'll talk a little bit more about what that means. Uh, but for, uh, for this morning, the text that we're going to use is from 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 12 through 18. And so I invite you to hear these words from Paul. Paul writes this, Since then we have such a hope. We act with great boldness. Not like Moses, who put a veil over his face to keep the people of Israel from gazing at the end of the glory that was being set aside. But their minds were hardened. Indeed, to this very day, when they hear the reading of the Old Covenant, that same veil is still there, since only in Christ is it set aside. Indeed, to this very day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their minds, but when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And all of us, with unveiled faces, seeing the glory of the Lord as though reflected in a mirror, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, the Spirit. Sisters and brothers in Christ, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God and let us pray. God, we come to you on this rain-filled weekend. We are reminded, Lord, of many things. One of those being that we can have the greatest of plans. But ultimately, 
You are in control. And so we come to you this Sunday morning, Lord, as a great, uh, be, having been reminded in clear ways that you are the one who are in control and that it is in you that we so depend. Lord, as we begin this series on what it means to be shaped more and more like you, I pray that you would open up our eyes, our ears, and our hearts. And I pray, Lord, that the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts will be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen and amen. Why? 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 I have heard... Those three letters, more in the last nine years than in the previous over 30 years, without question. Because as soon as you have children, one of their first words, it seems to me, is either why or why not. Why can't we? I mean, it is an amazingly powerful three-letter word. I mean, we are constantly being asked, why, Daddy? Why not, Daddy? Why, Daddy? Why not, Daddy? And it makes sense, I suppose, because of the fact that there is no greater word to really educate us than the word why. I mean, that simple word can can be something that can can cause you to meet people you never would have met if you hadn't asked why. It can can take you to places you would never have gone if you had never asked why. It It can take you a whole lifetime or even more to actually answer. When children are young, they are always asking that question of why. One of the things I've noticed, it seems to me, is that as we get older, we oftentimes begin asking that question less and less. I'm not sure why it is that we do that. I just know that, I mean, maybe it's because of the fact that we just grow tired of it. Maybe it's because we had parents like me who get so tired of it, we say, stop asking why and just do it. Right? Whatever whatever the reason is, we oftentimes stop asking that question. And I think that we do so uh, to our own demise because the reality is why questions are incredibly important, right? That we can ask even as adults, why do we live in the way that we do? Why do we live where we do? Why do I, you know, why do I have the spouse that I have? Um, How am I so blessed to have that spouse? Why is it that we're raising our children? Why did I not have a donut before I came into the nine o'clock service? That's what I was asking. Some of you are asking, why did I have a donut before I came into the 9 o'clock service? But these are all, well, some of them more important than others, but relatively important questions of why. Because truth be told, the more that we, as we age and as we get into kind of middle life and later, we can get so consumed with the what, with what we are doing, that we forget to ask the important question of not just what are we doing, but why are we doing it? As I was thinking about that question this week, I was reminded of a video that I saw uh, just a, a little while back about, about what and why. And I thought maybe, it's just two minutes, maybe it would be a good video for us to watch. It's by a guy named Michael Jr. I would not heard of him before, but maybe you have. So let's just watch this. So we're in Winston-Salem. I'm going to show you a clip from Winston-Salem. And I'm just talking to this guy in the audience, and he tells me that he's a, uh, 
a musical instructor at a school. So I was like, all right, you're a musical instructor. You know, can you sing? Let me hear you sing a song. So this is what happened at the last episode of Michael Jr.'s Break Time. Check it. So you're a musical director. Cool. Yes, sir. All right, so um, let me get a couple, let me get a couple bars of like uh, Amazing Grace. Can you do the first part of that? Let me, go ahead. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Wow. That brought could sing. You know what I'm saying? All right, all right. Um, now, once you give me the version, is if uh, your uncle just got out of jail, you got shot in the back when you was a kid. I'm just saying, let me see the hood version real quick. If you know which version I'm talking about, just see if that exists. Let me see what you got. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. what I want you to catch. The first time I asked him to sing, he knew what he was doing. The second time, he knew why he was doing it. When you know your why, your what becomes more impactful because you're walking towards or in your purpose. So I love that video primarily because, I mean, as he says, it does this remarkable job of helping to differentiate just the what we're doing versus the why we are doing it. And I've been thinking about that because I think so often we need to ask that question, not just of ourselves as individuals, but of course as a church as well. One of the things that churches are oftentimes very good at are the what of things. And we, I would say ZPC certainly could be a part of this, we're really good at doing a lot of things. And if you asked us, hey, what all is ZPC doing? We could tell you a whole list. If you have questions, you can go out to the gathering space and see, right? We have all those tables and they are there to say what it is that we're doing, which is great. But what I also know is that we have to do be more than just knowing what, that we have a Sunday morning, that we have worship service, that we have children uh, that do things, that we have uh, a mission events, things like that. What we always have to do is ask ourselves, are we aware, not just what we are doing, but why it is that we are doing what we are doing. 
Because if we don't understand that, then far too often we become dry. We become shells. We are people who are busy running from one thing to the next. And we have no real sense as to why I exist, nor do we have a sense as to why exactly it is that ZPC exists. And we have to always be coming back to that question because it is so easy to lose sight of it. Which is the reason behind why I want us to think about that over these next several months. But today especially, I want to begin by asking the question of why it is that we here at ZPC exist. Now, I've been thinking about that for a little while. It's, it's part of the reason why, of course, I keep asking one of those same questions, which is, or, or one of those making those same statements, which is that I'm hopeful that we are always going to bed looking more like Jesus than when we woke up, right? And, and then continuing on and believing that as we are shaped more like Jesus, that we can help our neighborhoods, community, and world look more like the kingdom of God when the sun sets than when the sun Rose. But today, and for over the next couple months, I just want us to focus on that very first part. The part of saying, how are we being shaped like Jesus? And remembering that ultimately, that is why we are here. Now, why do I think that that's why we're here? Well, I think that because it seems to me that's what Scripture says. Right? If you look at Romans 8.29, Romans 8.29 says this, For those whom he, being God, foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn within a larger family. Why are we here? Let's go back real quick. One more. Don't look. There we go. To be conformed. Formed to the image of his son. And his son is Jesus, right? So then if you look at our text for today at 2 Corinthians 3, let's look at that now. This is from the message, right? So just to reiterate. And so we are transfigured or changed much like the Messiah. Our lives gradually becoming brighter and more beautiful as God enters our lives and we become like him. Right? And so what is important is that we become more and more like Jesus Christ. And if we are not being changed like Jesus, and if we here at ZPC are not doing a good job of cultivating a place where people are beginning to look more and more like Jesus, then we are failing. And so we have to begin to ask, how are we doing, let's put that back up again, how are we doing at looking more and more like Jesus? So how does this begin? Well, I want to point out something before we move on too far, which is this. It begins by God entering into our lives. This is important, and people use lots of different language for this. This can either be when you ask forgiveness for your sins initially, when you have confession. This can be conversion. Some people call it uh, being born again. Others would say this is when your relationship with Jesus begins. But I want to be very clear that when we talk about being shaped more like Jesus, it begins. There is a moment oftentimes, sometimes we can't remember this. I grew up in a church. I can't remember one particular moment. Some of you have stories. Sometimes they're amazing stories. 
stories of when you remember that. But there is some kind of place where, where you begin your relationship with Jesus, and it begins there. But here's what's important to also realize, and sometimes churches don't always realize that, which is that's not the end. Right? That's the beginning point. The beginning point is as God enters our lives. But as Paul says, as that happens, we then become more and more like Jesus. So how does that happen? Well, it happens, of course, as we grow in our relationship with him. I was, uh, a little while back, I was, uh, I was noticing this older couple and I didn't, uh, I, I, as I looked at them a little bit longer, it, it seemed like they'd been together a while. And I, and I realized, and I didn't know if this was politically correct to think or not, but I thought it other, anyways, which is, wow, you know what, they, they really do, you hear this sometimes, they, they look like one another, right? So this, this, this husband and wife that they really began to look, and I felt kind of guilty for saying that. I mean, sometimes you hear that. Sometimes you hear that people begin to look like their dogs, and that's not, that's, that's, I'm not saying that. Let me be clear, but that's just what I hear. And so... And so I wondered, I felt bad about thinking that, but they really did. So I decided to do a little bit of research. So I, I looked online, and, 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 you know, the web never tells you anything that's not true. And I found that, sure enough, there was some research done a while back where scientists looked at this, and they began to discover that the longer you live together, the longer you're in relationship with one another, that there really is, for many folks, they do begin to look more like one another. Now, it's a little complicated how they did this. I don't want to get into too many details. I'll just tell you that, that basically what they did is they, they, looked, they, they took couples. They, of course, you know, had individual pictures of them, and they put them in front of people when they were first married, a bunch of different you know, single folks uh, here, pictures here, when they were first married. And then they also had pictures over here after they'd been married, typically 25 years or longer. And, when, they, and when, the, when these kind of judges, when they looked around, they tried to pair together husband and wife. Um, um, you know, oftentimes when they were first married, they, they didn't ever pair them right. No, they didn't really look, they didn't look alike at all. But after 25 years, it was amazing how much more often they could fit people together because they began to look like one another. Some of you are thinking, I should have thought that through before I married this person, right? <laughs> and, and, and interestingly enough... Those who were happy, happy couples, they were actually able to match even more often, right? And so, so there, are, there, are, there are some theories, and probably it's more than just one reason. All you guys are thinking about is what your spouse looks like right now. I see that. So, 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 what, so there are different theories, right? Um, 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 one of them is that, well, part of it is probably the fact that they are eating the same kinds of things, and so, um, and so deposits of fatty tissue are forming in the same place. Very romantic, very romantic. Okay. Also, though, um, um, you guys are going to start like, eating separate things now, I can tell. Also, though, they say that, that typically it's because, you know, um, um, and they experience the same kind of emotions a lot of times. So about the same percentage of being sad, the same percentage of being happy, of being stressed, of being angry. And so that begins to form particular wrinkles in one's face as they, as they do that. And then finally, they say, and, and they're really saying maybe this is the most, is that, is that what happens is as you look at someone's face, this is mostly subconsciously, you begin to mimic the expression that they are making. It's a it's a form of empathy, if you will, an intimacy that whenever someone is making a particular kind of face, you end up 
echoing that, whether you are aware of it or not. And after 25 years of doing so, you begin to have, you start, you start having the same wrinkles, which means that you begin to look more and more alike. Now, I found this to be very fascinating, quite frankly. Megan is devastated, but I found it to be really intriguing. So, but one of the things that I, as I thought about that, I was like, well, this is, this, is, and this is how, in a spiritual sense, though maybe in a physical sense as well, who knows, that we begin to be shaped even more like Jesus. It is, it is in being in relationship with him. When we eat, maybe not the same things that he did, but when we eat in the same way, when we eat with those perhaps who are the outcast, right? Those who have been cast asunder. When we eat with folks like that, we begin to look more like Jesus. Us, right? When, when, whenever it is that we, uh, you know, whenever it is that we begin to copy, to mimic the way that he forgives, at first it may just feel very kind of wooden, you know, and that, well, I know I'm supposed to do this. But the more that you begin to do that, the more that you begin to look like him, the more that you begin to be shaped like him. When we begin to speak the truth in love like Jesus did, when we see that in scripture, when we see it in the gospels, how he did so, when we begin to do that, over the years we begin to look more more and more like Jesus. That, 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 that the first way that we really are shaped more like Jesus is by kind of living and daily at, over the years, looking and living just like he did so that we begin to be shaped more and more like him. Now, here's an important part of that, which is that just like with these married couples, it doesn't happen overnight, Right? It is a long process for us to begin to really look more like Jesus. And I think that's important for us to know. I, I think many of us, we have a high bar. And we think, man, we have got to look more like Jesus right now. And we can get very easily discouraged and almost give up when we don't look nearly like Jesus like we think that we should, but we need to understand that this is a process. In fact, Paul understands that, and uh, he, he says that we are transformed from one glory of God to another. In other words, it is this kind of slow maturation process from one glory to the next. In fact, even the word change, which is the word metanoia in Greek, maybe you've, you've heard that before, it's in the present tense. And what does that mean? That means that it is continually happening, right? It doesn't happen like this. You're not changed in a moment so that then it becomes a past tense. It is always happening. It is a slow process. And one of the things that we can do, if you're anything like me, and, 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 and you may not want to be, but if you are anything like me, one of the things that you do is you tend to find the flaws more quickly than those places where you're doing well. And so when I'm looking at that, I see Jesus as a very high bar, right? And I think, oh, I am failing in all of these ways. And it can get very depressing. But what you'll notice in our home group questions this week, for those of us who are in home groups, is that the question that we asked, this was this question that Scott thought of that I thought was great, was what well, was not like, where are you falling short? We could, we could fill up many home group hours talking about where we fall short. The question is, how do you look more like Jesus now than maybe you did a few years ago, maybe five years ago, maybe if you've been following Jesus for 25 years? How, how is it that you are looking more like Jesus? How are you more patient than you used to be? How are you more gentle, more forgiving, more full of grace, more able to speak the truth in love? And to spend some time not just kind of being depressed at where we fall short, but spend some time saying, hey, these are the places where I can really see that the Lord is at 
work and I am shaped more like Jesus today than I was several years ago. And to begin to think like that as a way of encouragement than for you to continue to move forward. Now, it would almost be spiritual malpractice of me if I didn't also point out one other thing about the word metanoia, which is that not only is it in this particular case in the present tense, it's also in the passive tense, which means simply that it is something that is done to us. Right? And Paul even says that, that it is the spirit that ends up doing this. Right? That it's the spirit that ends up doing this to us. And that's really important for a couple of reasons. First of all, I know how many type A people we have here. And what you like to do is you like to have a task. And so you like to say, as we talked about before, okay, I need to be more like Jesus. I'm going to be more patient. I'm going to do it today. I'm going to be more patient right now. I'm going to be more patient, right? And you've already lost before you even started, right? Which just gets frustrating and angry. And then you're not very gentle because you're mad at yourself, right? And so before you know it, you're much more like Satan than you are like Jesus, right? And so this is not, right? This is, this is not something that you can necessarily do on your own, right? It is something that is done to you, but... That doesn't mean that we don't play any role, right? One of, the, one of the analogies that I've shared with you before but is very helpful to me is, is when it comes to the spiritual practices, right? It's like, let's say that you are in the state of Michigan and you want to go over to Wisconsin. And you're staring there and you're looking at Lake Michigan. And you realize you want to get over there. Now, you could try to swim, Right? You could dive in and say, I'm doing this myself. Most of us are not going to make it. Is there anybody here who thinks they could make it? Because then you need to work with humility. Okay, good. So you're going to end up either turning back or you're just going to end up drowning. Right? There's no way. But what you can do, right, is you can build a boat. And you can build a boat, and you can put up a sail. Now, it would be easier if you were going from west to east, but you can put up a sail anyways, and you can put up that sail. Now, you can't put up that sail, and you can just like, it's probably not going to work, right? But at some point, when you've created that boat, you've set the sail, you've put yourself in position, when the winds are blowing in the right direction, all of a sudden, then, you can begin to move and to start making progress. And this is exactly, it seems to me, what we do when it comes to being shaped more like Jesus. We engage in spiritual practices. It's called kind of an indirect action. Again, you can't say to yourself, I am going to be more patient. But what you can do is you can create space, right? What have we said before? Create Sabbath. What does it do when you create Sabbath? When you have a a certain amount of time where you say, I am not going to do anything, it forces you to stop moving from one thing to the next, which always breeds impatience because you know you have one more thing to do and then you've got to go do this. And it just cultivates that to saying, I'm going to stop. I realize that everything I am, it's not about what I do. It's about who I am in Christ. And the more that you do that, it begins to cultivate patience. Patience, right? Maybe it is humility that you need to wrestle with. And so one of the things that you can do is you can say, okay, I am going to come here and I'm going to kind of help uh, the, the homeless that are here in a couple of weeks and I'm, gonna, I'm going to serve them. And as you serve them, guess what happens, right? Hopefully in that act, you begin to realize 
how fortunate maybe you are, what a gift it is for you to be able to serve. And you begin to realize what the Lord has given to you, which reminds you that you haven't done it yourself, which then helps to create a sense of humility, right? Or maybe it's loving your enemies. And you know that this is something that Jesus was able to do, and and this is what you should do. But it's really hard just to love your enemies, right? And you sit there and you complain. You say, oh, the, the politics today are horrible, and, you know, that side is horrible, or everybody's just fighting with one another. Oh, but you don't, that doesn't help you to love your enemies. You know what helps you to love your enemies? To actually cultivate a practice where you are with your enemies. You can't love someone with whom you never are around. So maybe it is something like a home group. Maybe it's something like a great banquet. Maybe it's something where you are surrounded with people who you don't really like. So it's just coming to church. Whatever it may be, you say, I'm going to practice this. And guess what? Is it easy? No, it's a nightmare. If it was easy, everyone would do it, right? But what are you doing? You're cultivating yourself. You're saying, I'm going to put myself in this place so that I can begin to allow the Holy Spirit to begin to shape me in a different way, right? But this is what we are about. Why? Because we are about change, Right Again, if our why does not examine the reality, and if we at ZPC are not a part of people's lives being changed, then we, to look more like Jesus, then we are wasting our time. I have wasted my life being a pastor here if people's lives are not being changed. Right? Some of you are thinking, you really are wasting your time. You're wasting your life. We are wasting that. If ZPC, we could be doing so many other things. If lives are not being transformed and changed to look more like Jesus because of what we are doing here at ZPC, then we need to change what we are doing. The 1030 would give me an amen on that. Good. Now I can tell the 1030 that the 9 o'clock gave me an amen and you guys didn't. As I said, last week, um, I I spent a week with Steve Wright, a venerable saint here at ZPC uh, in in Brazil. And I went there because I wanted to see what we're doing uh, and what ministry partners we had. So so I began. I have some pictures of some of our ministry partners here. Uh, We have this one. Oh, wait, that's. Do you all know what that is? It's a capybara. No, that's really all I have. I just want you to see this thing because it is awesome. Has anyone who's seen a capybara? Right? A few of you. I mean, they're as big as like a dog, right? It's the largest rodent in the world. Now, here's what I'm very disappointed about is that you guys look about as excited as the Brazilians that I was with. When I saw this capybara, I was out of my mind. I thought, this is amazing. In fact, I brought one home. No, I didn't bring one home. But I wanted to because I could imagine our little girls just kind of going around with a leash with a little capybara. Wouldn't that be awesome? (laughs) Anyways, this is not one of our ministry partners, but I wish it was. No, no. Our other ministry partners... Or a group like this, this is from one particular uh, church plant just a little bit outside of Rio Preto, one of the cities uh, in which we really do work uh, more so with. There, uh, I'm the one in the middle. Uh, and then there's uh, Steve Wright to my right. Um, and then the next one, this is with a group called Vitrol. Now, one of the things I've noticed is that I really should have joined, uh, gone to Brazil because I could have been on the basketball team uh, there. Because I looked, you know, uh, here I'm not tall, there I am. Um, but this was a group um, from, a, from a church plant called Vitrol. 
uh, which is about three years old, and we've been, uh, we've been supporting them for three years. We're going to support them for two more years. They've asked for about five years of, of support. Vitral means stained glass, uh, and so it's this really kind of cool, uh, cool church plant, and um, and so uh, I, I was at it almost exactly a week ago. We were at their worship service, and 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 um, it's a bunch of kind of younger, uh, a bunch of younger folks. And I mean, I felt like I was ninety. Uh, a because they were young, and B because the music was so loud that it was just kind of I was like, well, how can they worship with this kind of music, right? Not that any of us would ever do that, but I'm just saying. For me, I felt like that, right? And I was like, oh, but here's the thing. Like they were, they were, they were really excited. They were young. They were tatted up, but they were praising God, and it was remarkable. And um, um, I had a little video. I'm not going to show it um, of, of of these two little girls who who go up. They kind of start the service off, and they they start off by by kind of describing why it is that we're here, which I thought was great. Right? Not just what are we doing, but this is why. We do this. And towards the end of the service, um, 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 it was about an hour and a half long or so. Actually, it was closer to two hours, truth be told. Oh, I'm just getting started. So, (laughs) towards the end of the service, right, um, um, they called Steve and I up. Steve Wright and I up. And so we came up and they just wanted us to give a word, you know, just a word of welcome. And so so Steve thanked them. Steve's the one who's really been kind of working with them a lot. um, because he's worked both with this particular church. A lot of people from this church plant have gone to the great banquet that we started uh, a year or so ago. And, um, and, then, uh, and then I stood up and I just said, hey, you know, it's been great to be here. You know, again, I, I went down to see what we were doing. And, and hey, this is great to see what, what we're doing. And so at, at the end of that, then I began to kind of, we were going to walk off. So we began to walk off. And all of a sudden, then they were like, no, 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 come back, come back. And so we, we came back. And, and this woman just kind of, you know, uh, just kind of spontaneously kind of came up and said she wanted to say something to us. And so we, we stood there, and, and she began to talk, and it was, began to be translated through these uh, headphones or earphones that we had. And, and, and she began to talk about the difference that this church, Vitral, had made on her life, but not just her life, that she had been really concerned about her children and what was going to happen to her children. And as Claudia, that's her name, as she continued to kind of talk, you could just begin to see the tears that started coming down her, her, her cheeks as she began to talk about just the fact that, that, that this church really kind of rescued her, her husband, and, and her children, right? And so we were sitting there, and, 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 and about two or three minutes into it, I realized that not only was she talking about vitrol, but as she continued to talk, that she then began to thank us. And by us, I don't mean me and Steve, I mean us. For the work, right, for for our investing and partnering with them. And by this point, you know, and Steve's not here to defend himself today, but Steve was totally crying. And Steve was there, and and, and, and he began to weep, and I began to feel, you know, almost the tears come come through my eyes. And I want you to know, I want you to know that I thought two things. The first was this. In that moment, all of a sudden, I went from the what of what we were doing to the why. In that very moment, as she looked into our eyes, I realized, oh, this is why we are investing in this place in Brazil. But the other thing, and I mean this, that I want you to know from the bottom of my heart, is this is what I wanted. I was thinking this as she was talking. I kept thinking, I wish every single one of you could be right where I was. Because what I wanted you to know is that you all, 
is that you all are a part of the way that this particular family in this particular part of Brazil is being changed for Jesus Christ. You all are a part of what we are doing there, and I want you to know that. And I want you to know that that is why we do what we do. Not so that it makes us feel better about things. Not because it's simply what we are supposed to do. But because it is why we exist. Now I know that there are times when people think that I get too excited. That I get too loud. Why are you screaming? I will tell you the reason why so often I scream is because I believe strongly that Jesus Christ longs for us to help people to change. And what you don't get to see as often as I get to see is how people's lives are changed for Jesus because of what we are doing here and across the globe. Are we perfect? By no means. But it is incredible to be a part of seeing people's lives change to look more like Jesus. And I want you to know that is why we are here. And my prayer for us is that we will continue to understand that. Because the more that you understand why we are here and what we are a part of, the more impassioned you will be like the gentleman who sang Amazing Grace. The more excited and joy-filled you will be as we begin to go out and to see every crack and crevice of our neighborhoods, our community, our world, including Brazil and elsewhere, begin to be shaped and to know of the love and grace of Jesus. And do you know that is why we are here. And so over these next two and a half months, as we begin to see what it means to be shaped like Jesus, I am going to continually remind you that the reason that we're doing this is because it is why we are here and it is making a difference in people's lives. May we continue to be faithful to Jesus Christ. And may his spirit continue to shape us that all the world will know of his love and his grace. It's why we're here. Amen? Let's pray. God, it is so easy and it is so well-intentioned for us to be so invested in what it is that we're doing in all of our tasks and things that we forget why it is that we are here. Why it is we do what we do. And so I pray, Lord, that in the simplicity of that message, that you would help us today and in the months to come to understand, Lord, not just what we do, but to understand why it is that we are doing it. That all, Lord, might enter into relationship with Jesus, and that we might day after day, month after month, year after year, be shaped through the power of the Holy Spirit to be more and more like Him. It's in your name we pray. Amen.